Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. You know, we, uh, we changed things up a little bit this morning. We had communion and then we sung words of praise. It's scriptural. It says in Matthew 26, it says in there that Jesus sat them down, taught them, and then they shared the bread and the wine. And then it says that they, they left from there to where Alison said, to the Mount of Olives, and it says that they sung hymns or sung praise. And I've thought about this. I thought to myself, in that Last Supper moment, there was times where Jesus, you know, sort of, there was the betrayal moment. But I'm thinking to myself is that there was disciples seeing Jesus, sharing with him and saying, well, this is my body, this is my blood. And then on that way to the Mount of Olives, in their sandals and thobes, walking along the dusty and dirty roads, singing praises, singing hymns. The courage that that must have been to, to come out of that upper room and to be able to sing hymns and praises. And we don't know exactly what it was, but most likely it was some form of psalm because that's generally what they sung was the psalms. But I want you to just picture them having just been part of what we know now as the Last Supper. They didn't know this at the time, right? We have 2,000 years of, of history and, and, and readings and teachings to be able to help us with this. Yet here they are. They believed enough in the promises that Jesus said in that upper room that, that, that they were able to go out of there and with courage to be able to walk along that road, along that dirt road, praising and singing hymns to their Father in heaven. What a beautiful feeling to be able to say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Hey, you guys can take a seat. I was going to get the band to keep going, but I could do that each time. I love what our worship and creative team bring each and every week. And it's not just what they bring in the sound and the music. It's what the guys do with our lighting. When they come in here on a, on their days off and they spend many, many hours here doing it because uh, that's their gift and their skill that God's given to them. So thank you team for what you guys bring. I want to share a, a word this morning with you. And uh, I said this in the nine and I kind of feel that this, I kind of feel like, you know, when you, you start a movie, you, you go to a movie and it says at the start whether it's going to be PG rated or M rated or, or R rated or whatever it might be. I kind of feel like that my message today uh, should come with some sort of rating on it that it's going to dig deep. Is that okay? And I also sort of share this morning, I didn't realise this maybe until 
today is that I like long weekends. I don't know what it is, but I kind of feel like that those who are in the room are here because you want to be here, right? Because it's long weekend, because it's a nice sunny day out there and you can be out doing things and whatever you want to be. You've made a choice to be here this morning. Some kids are sitting there going, no, mum and dad dragged me along. Well, that's okay. Some husbands are saying, my wife dragged me along. Well, that's okay. But you're here today, right? And, and, and there's, there's a freshness that's going to come. So I'm just going to encourage you, forget, forget the warning that comes with this. I want to preach today. I feel like I want to preach today. On Sunday the 18th of June in 1815, French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte would face what would be known as his Waterloo moment. History says that Napoleon had spent much of the early 19th century conquering the fields of Europe, never really challenged, continually walking away victorious. That was until he came face to face against a coalition army led by the Duke of Wellington on the plains of what was to be known as Waterloo. It was here that Napoleon would taste defeat, effectively ending his leadership. And it was after the defeat that the term meeting one's Waterloo was coined. A term which simply meant to encounter an obstacle that would seem stronger than you are and to be defeated by it. I want to get straight into some scripture. Turn with me if you have your Bibles or it will come up on the screen to Luke chapter 3. We can start at Luke chapter 3. And it says this, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was water baptised. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Then there's a little bit about the ancestry and then it says this in chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he was baptised. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will just worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture said, you must, not, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Verse 9, then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump, jump off. For the scripture said he will order his angels to protect and to guard you and they will hold up your hands and so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also says, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. I've shared with you before, if you are new here today, a huge welcome, it's great to have you here. But if not, you may have heard me share before that the single most important meeting that we hold here as a church is at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. 
and we call it our people meeting. And it's a meeting whereby we, in a, in a confidential way, will discuss with a number of t- key people in our pastoral care team, we'll go, discuss those who over the weekend in our services here and in the Huon Valley or maybe on a Wednesday have stepped out courageously and said, I would like to follow Jesus. Or maybe those who have said, I don't know about my journey of faith, but I'm, 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 I'm feeling something's on me and I need prayer. Or those who have maybe raised a hand and said, you know what, I have asked Jesus into my life many times, but I'm just going through a bit of spiritual dryness here in my life. But I've got the courage to be able to put up my hand. Do you know how much courage it is to be able to put up your hand and say, amen to Jesus' yes? And so the first meeting that we hold here on a Monday morning is to honour those people. Marilla, can you just show me that, that shirt there? Please. And thank you. It's kind of like yes and amen, isn't it? Please and thank you. You would have seen people who get water baptised here wear this. It says, no turning back. And these are young men and women or older men and women who will get into a, a tank of water in front of 500 people or whatever it might be and they will make a public declaration in their life that I was once here but there is no turning back to that because I have said yes and amen to the promise of God that is on my life. Thank you. And so on that Monday morning meeting, we will make sure that they are surrounded with people praying for them practically supporting them, getting around them. Can we get them into some sort of connect group and help them and mentor them? How do we empower, encourage and equip these people who have made a step for Jesus? I can actually see two of them in this room. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Nathan, will you stand for me? Can you stand for me? No, no, it's not Nathan. Where is it? Yeah, stand. Stand. And Jesse, stand up for me. On these guys' shirt, I'm doing this because I want to, I actually say, on these guys' shirt here, it says C3 Youth. C3 Youth. Do you know what? When I see these guys coming into church or another place, not just a Friday night, you guys can sit down. I don't embarrass you anymore. And they've got C3 Youth on there. I will stop and I will pray for them inside. Because there is a courage of young lads, 12, 13, 14, whatever they might be, who are prepared to say that on a Friday night, I go to a church youth group. And they're prepared to put on their jerseys and say, I am part of C3 Youth. This scripture I find really interesting. Because most commentators will say that chronologically it goes in order. In that Jesus got baptised, water baptised. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in a very public way, in a very public place. And then it says that filled with the Spirit, he was led into the wilderness. So chronologically, these two go in order. And this is the reason, because the thing is, is that Jesus says, victory is your promise. Yet what happens straight afterwards? The devil says, well, hang on a second. 
You're starting your public ministry. You've just stood up in front of a public place and been water baptised and been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've just poked the bear. And here's where comes my uh, Sunday, what I call my Sunday school theology. You see, I always imagined when I read this scripture that Jesus went up into the mountain and for 40 days he could get himself ready, like a boxer. You know, the boxers only fight once every six months or sometimes once every 12 months because they've got to prepare themselves and get ready because when they get out there, they've got an opposition in front of them. And they know what is going to come to them. They know that they're stepping into the ring and they are going to face hits. That's what it's about. So they're going to face things. Yet the scriptures are very clear here where it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. You see, my theology thought, well, he had 40 days to get ready. And then on the last day, it was kind of like the devil said, well, you're ready. I'm going to throw three shots at you and see whether you can defeat them. That's not what happens. And we need to know that when we step out, when we have the courage and the boldness to step out, the devil says, well, hang on a second. You just woke up and I don't like this. When you have the courage to post something on your, inter- on your Instagram or your Facebook or your social medias, when you say to your family and friends, well, actually, I just need to tell you something over, over family lunch today is I actually go to church now. When you have the courage to tell a workmate that, you know what, there's something happened in my life. It's not just workmates we have the challenge with now. I shared a couple of weeks ago, New Zealand's proposing a legislation at the moment that will classify if you preach some of the gospel, Romans 8 in particular, that it will be deemed as a preacher that you're preaching hate speech. This is going through New Zealand Parliament right at the moment. You see, the thing is, the minute we stand up and say the victory is his promise over our life, the devil says, well, I want to take that away from you. The minute Jesus was baptized in the water and was filled with the Holy Spirit, the devil says, you know what? I'm not giving you 40 days to prepare. I'm actually going to start tempting you. I'm going to start hitting into you. I'm going to start making you doubt and cause confusion in your life right from the start. I started my paramedic career working in some of the toughest suburbs of Western Sydney, what they called the 2770 postcode. This was an area of about 15 suburbs that were joined together. There was about 75,000 people lived in this, in this one area. This was in the mid-90s and unemployment hovered at about 70%. Truancy at school was so bad that on days classes would be completely empty. Domestic violence hung over every street and every house and the petty drug culture was rampant. The idea of having a stable family life of two parents and a dog and a cat and a white picket fence was like believing that there was a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. And I remember being asked to attend a forum that was looking at how to address the problems in this area. And there was a whole lot of politicians who were there making promises and providing more money and and more programs. 
And honestly, it was embarrassing to hear. And then a young female police liaison officer who had committed her working life to work side by side the troubled youths got up and said something that I'll never forget. And she said this. She said, we can throw as much money and resources at the problem as we like, but nothing will ever change until one or two or maybe three have the courage to stop listening to those voices that tell you you can't and step into the possibility that you can. She went on and said, initially they might and probably will fail. And this is where they will face their greatest challenge because everybody has already told them they will fail and now they have. And so our most obvious choice is for them to revert back into what she called the comfort of brokenness. She said this then. She said, our responsibility is to help them believe that they have a hope, a promise, and a future that could change a community. Let's talk hypothetically here for a moment because I'm sure it doesn't happen. But has anyone had those moments where you felt like you came to a prayer meeting and you want to pray publicly and nothing comes out? It's kind of like I want to, I've, got a, I've got a word inside of me and I'm ready to go, but Pete's just prayed and man, that was a good prayer. And all of a sudden these little voices in your head say, well, my prayer's rubbish. I was just praying for my mother. I was just praying for a situation. So you just back it down and, yeah, it's okay, next time. You've had those situations where we talk about connect groups here and you're kind of like, I really would like to go to one of those. I feel it would be great for fellowship and growing and you get yourself ready and it's on Wednesday night and you, you get to Wednesday afternoon and you're ready to go and you're like, this is great, I want to do this. And then yet, you know what, there will be a thousand different things will turn up on Wednesday afternoon that will stop you from going. And they're just little things. But what they do is they cause in your mind doubt and confusion and all of a sudden, what we do is that we go from that confidence to saying, I want to step into what God's got for me. And yet, all of a sudden, we end up back in our comfort of brokenness. Don't look at me about the brokenness stuff. Adam and Eve are to blame for that one. The scriptures are really clear with this. It says that we live in a world that is broken, right? And it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, it would have been so much easier for Peter if he just stayed in the boat. I mean, he got out and he got his feet wet and he looked like a fool, to be honest. I mean, the whole scripture talks about, Jesus, about Peter stepping out in that boldness and that faith, saying, yes, I am with you, I have faith. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's up to his knees in water. I mean, the other disciples didn't get out. But you see, this is where the devil wants us to stay. He wants us to stay in that place where we want to go to that prayer thing and yet all of a sudden he'll put those doubt and that confusion, those things in our mind and so we just step back with it. We want to go around to our friends and our family and say, you know, what did you do on the weekend? Oh yeah, Saturday was great. Played golf, it was really, really good. What did you do on Sunday morning? Um, yeah, nothing, nothing. Nah, Monday was awesome. But what did you do Sunday morning? I've been there. Is anyone with me or am I the only one? I've been there. What'd you do Sunday morning? Oh, oh yeah, 
Yeah, just woke up early, had a piece of toast, nothing really, nothing really. You know, when it's about actually saying, you know what, I went to church and I was radically changed. I was filled up. Because each and every one of us in here, they still say, the data from NCLS still says that more than 78% of people will give their lives to Christ in a service. And yet yet we talk about the fact that Sunday services are dead. Eight out of ten people are still saying that they will give their life to Christ in a service. Yet, yet the devil wants us to say, well, no, I did nothing on Sunday morning. It was okay. Just watch a little bit of TV. One of my own challenges is to be ready. It was said that Napoleon became complacent in his leadership and only prepared for when the big battles were ahead. And what happened with Waterloo is that all of these little armies had joined together and made a coalition. And then suddenly he was faced with something in front of him that he could not conquer. Paul saw this happening in the church in Ephesus. He speaks about it. He saw that the church started off really well. Of Hey, we've got this going and we're doing all of these things. Yet when the hard stuff came, they backed away and they went back into what they were doing. So Paul said to them this. He said, put on God's complete set of armour provided for us. So why? So you will be protected against what the enemy will bring. That's what he said. He said in verse 12, he said, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. You're not in the ring with Floyd Jones. It says here, he says that, but with the highest principles and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful, is Paul talking, they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. You see, the 2770 postcode, it just took one or two people to step out and say, you know what, I want to step into the promises that are there on my life. Verse 13 says this. It says, because of this, listen to this, guys. It says, because of this, you must wear all of the armour that God provides You must wear all of the armour that God provides. Why? So you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. This is from the Word of God. But Paul says this. He says, you must wear all. You see, I'm using the boxing analogy. But if I get ready... And I've just got a great left hook, but I don't know the rest of my skills or my feet are bad. Then guess what? My opposition is going to come at the places that I haven't prepared for. I played football all my life, Aussie rules football. And I was terrible on my left foot. I just had a really bad left foot. So my opposition knew the ones I played against would always take me to the left side so they knew I had to try and kick on my left foot. The thing is the opposition will know where your weaknesses are. So Paul says to them in in the Ephesus church, he says, you must wear all of the armour and all means all. If pornography is an issue, seek help. If pride is an issue, put on the breastplate of righteousness. If anger is an issue in your life, then you need to fit your, fit your feet with the shoes of peace. 
And if integrity is your issue, then don't start the day without putting on the belt of righteousness, righteousness around your belly. Ash, I'll get you up, back up, mate. Because there's something more that I just want to share as I come to a bit of a close. And this is something that God's been downloading on me. And it's that the promise of God that has been spoken over your life is that the devil cannot defeat you and he knows that. So he'll keep asking you questions in order that you defeat yourself. Let me unpack this for just a little bit. Stepping into ministry for us was not just poking the bear, it was stepping on his head and pulling his tail. And I have had to continually fight the subtle questions around my capability to shepherd a church all the time. Not from others, but from within. You see, because that's what the devil loves to do. He loves to say to you, you can't surely pray at a church prayer meeting. I mean, you? I mean, two years ago, man, you were broken and busted up. You can't be doing that. He wants to say to you, Alison, you can't give a communion message. You're not qualified. You've got no theological training. You're not qualified for this. You're still struggling with so many issues in your life. How can you do this? See, my revelation that came out of this is that we defeat ourselves. You see, each one of the temptations that came were not just temptations, they were questions. And this started way back in the garden. Right back in Genesis 3, right at the start there. What did the devil do or what did the serpent do? He asked Eve, he said, can you eat from that tree? He didn't say to her, no, you can't. Because she actually knew the answer. It shares in the scriptures that Adam had shared the answer and what it was. Because she actually repeats it back to him and says, well, we were told we cannot eat from this tree. Yet in that moment, the serpent, the devil says, can you? Can you? Maybe just you can. And goes for that area of weakness that is in our life. The first temptation. Jesus was hungry. I get hungry. I get really hangry, actually. Three days of a fast and I'm not the best person to be around. 40 days of a fast, I haven't even tried it yet. And what does the devil do? The devil doesn't hit Jesus up, who, remember, has just been baptized and full of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't hit him up and tell him, you can't. He says this, he says to him, if you, he asks a question. He says, if you are the son of God, well, then just grab this stone and make it bread. You see, because if the devil had have said to him, well, you can't do this, we go, well, actually, I can. 
But he says to him, if you, if you are the son of God, well then feed yourself. The devil then took him and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in, in a moment of time. And he says this to him, he says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil says, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And then he says this, he says, I will give it all to you if you will worship me. He asks him a question. You see, because the devil cannot take away our promise. He cannot take away our promise. The promise of victory that is given over your life, the devil cannot take that away, yet he can get you to ask questions so that you create confusion and doubt in your mind. Am I good enough? Am I good enough to lead this church? Well, some days I won't be, but you know what? God's given me the calling to do it. So I'm going to step into it. Can I let alone attend a connect group, can I, can I run a connect group? The devil will ask you questions of saying, well, no, it's going to financially cost you lots of money. I mean, those biscuits you're going to have to provide every two weeks. Come on, I'm not the only one who's been there, right? Yeah? And I don't want people sitting on my couch we start asking questions. We think to ourselves, well, what about if someone comes in that I don't really like and they're sitting on my new couch that I just brought? You see, the devil cannot take away your promise of victory in your life. But he can cause you and ask you questions to doubt. Third one was this. It says, then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple. Jerusalem, the city, to the temple, what everybody saw as what was the religious building. And he said this, he said, if you, if you are the son of God, then jump. Your angels will protect you. I want to tell you the devil has to ask questions because he does not have the authority to take away your promise let me say that again to you and for anyone watching online I want you to get this the devil will ask you questions to cause doubt and confusion in your mind because he does not have the authority to take away the promise of victory that is over your life I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to finish with a story and then I want to read a scripture over you. And it says this, it says, In the early 1990s, South Africa was struggling in the grip of apartheid. Meetings that could be inflammatory were shut down and anybody speaking words against the brokenness that was being experienced faced persecution. It was during this time that Archbishop Desmond Tutu, against the wishes of many, said, I want to hold 
a worship service. So we went down to St. George's Cathedral in downtown Cape Town where he proclaimed the good news of the gospel. It was said that on this day, the inside was packed to the rafters with worshippers and outside stood hundreds of police gathered as a show of force meant to intimidate. As Tutu was preaching, the heavily armed police entered into the cathedral and lined the walls whereby several of the police took out their notebooks and started writing down the words of encouragement that Tutu was preaching. On that day, Tutu preached the gospel and he preached a message of God's love. And he said that how each person must, must declare with their words and actions that God's love will endure because victory is his promise. He then turned in his Bible to Isaiah 54 and he looked at the police who lined the walls and he said to them, he said, you are powerful. He said, you are very powerful. You carry huge weapons and your words are strong, but you are not gods and I serve a God who cannot be mocked. So since you've already lost, I graciously invite you today to come and join the winning side to say yes and amen to the promise of God that is on your life. With that, the congregation erupted in worship and dance and song. And one by one, said that the police filed out of the room. Apart from two, who came to the altar and said, we received the promise that has been spoken over our life. The doubt that must have been going through them, standing with their peers. Yet they came forward to the altar and they said, victory is his promise over our life. I want to share the scripture from Isaiah 54 over us as a church. And it says this, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will be soon bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. It says this, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. Verse 13 says, I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great peace. You'll be secure under a government that is just and fair. Your enemies will stay far away. You'll live in peace and terror will not come near you. says, I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. And I have created, I, the Lord your God, have created the armies that destroy. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. Just while every eye is closed today, you may never have said amen to the promise of victory that God has given you. Or maybe you have and 
you're that person a little bit like me where every time you want to step out in bold faith and sing a hymn of praise or share, you just feel this overwhelming confusion and brokenness over your life. I want to tell you that victory is his promise. So just wherever you are, I'm just going to ask you if, if you want to receive that today, just put your hand up. All eyes are closed. Just put your hand up wherever you are. Thank you. I can see those hands going up. Nice and strong. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. We've just talked about this. Put it up nice and strong. As high as you can. To say, I receive that. I receive that in my life. Thank you. I'm, just, I'm not going to hold on to it. Keep them up. Keep them up. Right across this place. In doing so, you are boldly declaring there's more hands going up right now. Some of you have walked the faith for many, many years, but there is a boldness that's going to come out in you right now by declaring. Some of you have already said yes to Jesus, but there is something that needs to happen in your life. You need to take a firm stand and say, you know what, I'm doing this. Keep your hand raised. If you want to put up both hands, put up your feet, do whatever you need to do, because this is a moment where you're saying, I'm believing that victory is His promise. Just five more seconds. Just keep those hands up there. Fantastic. You can put them down. We're going to close the service. I'm going to ask Kira to come up and close. But I'm going to encourage you to do something or other else now. If you put up your hand or maybe you didn't because you were in one of those moments where you wanted to and you just felt that, that opposition against you, but you're saying, no, I want to step into this. And there are those, those butterflies are in your stomach and your heart's going at 100 miles an hour. Well, we've set up a little area at the back of the auditorium here. It's well lit up. And we've got some of our pastoral care team there and they would love to just pray with you. You don't need to be a new Christian. It may be that you just need to say, can you just stand around me? Can you just pray with me for, for 30 seconds? I want that protection. I want, I'm saying today that there is no turning back in my life. I want to do this. And so if that's you, I, I, I don't, I'd love to see that we fill this, overflow that area down there. If that's you, go down and do it. If some of our pastoral care teams see more than down there, let's get in there and let's pray. Let's protect them. Let's protect these, these young youth kids that are prepared to wear a hoodie that says, I go to youth. Those who have stood up and said, oh, there is no turning back. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the service today. I thank you for the word that you have put over people, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, on this long weekend that many may step out today with that victory is their promise. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks, Kira. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.com. .org.au See you next time.